Sorry about that. So I was thinking more about evolution. Now, this is a really complicated topic, and I struggle with it a lot. And so I apologize if, if my thoughts here are <laughs> more than usually opaque or poorly put together. But I do think evolution is a very powerful lens to look at various problems. And I, I think the key to it is this idea that natural selection is how order arises out of chaos. Now, <laughs> I hear myself say that, and I'm like, okay, so what? Order arises out of chaos? I mean, I look around, all I see is order. Order seems normal. Order seems natural. But, you know, I realize our world is the exception. We know the universe drifts towards entropy. And that order is rare. And order, you know, order is so rare. It's so precious. It's, it's really a miracle. But it, it's a miracle we're used to. We don't even see it as a miracle anymore. You know, I think most people now understand that humans weren't created from intelligent design. But we still look at man-made objects and we think, oh, okay, this was designed by an intelligence. And, you know, maybe I'm going too far. I probably am. But I think there's a case to be made that order only arises out of chaos. That when we look at a man-made object and we think it was designed by an intelligence, that's not quite right. Now, you know, again, I say this out loud and it sounds absurd. But here's an example. So I was thinking about how the Wright brothers invented the airplane. And, it, you know, it sounds intuitively correct. The Wright brothers invented the airplane. They had an idea for what an airplane should look like. They constructed the airplane. They test flew it. It flew. They invented the airplane. But what if the answer is more counterintuitive? What if instead of inventing the airplane, they discovered the airplane? They had a wind tunnel, and they would test different wings and rudders in this wind tunnel. And they would try every possible angle, or you know, down to the degree. And this was a trial and error approach, almost like a brute force approach. And they would see which design worked. They would, they would let the universe tell them what the airplane should look like. They didn't just sit down with a clean sheet of paper and design it perfectly the first time. They were, they were humble, they were patient, and they were curious. And, and that resulted in figuring out the design of the airplane that worked. And that's a discovery, not an invention. So let's assume for one second that you sort of buy that idea <laughs> or that argument. Here's another one. A, uh, an airplane engine, enormously complex. But at no time did someone sit down and just draw the current airplane engine from scratch. They took the previous generation of the engine and they made little tiny incremental changes. 
Maybe they changed the material of the nozzle. Maybe they changed the shape of the fan blade. And every time they tinkered with this, they ran tons and just thousands of tests and trials to make sure that it worked in reality. And so you look at the final generation of the airplane engine and it looks like man designed it. It looks like intelligent design. But it was really the cumulative evolution of thousands of generations of this trial and error tinkering. A hundred years ago, the current design for the jet engine already existed in, how do I put this, in, in the mind of the universe. We just had to find it. So, you know, I, I think of evolution as, as an explorer. We don't know where we're going. We get there by trying everything and making these little steps towards the final or the current iteration. But, you know, again, this is sort of a weird image. What does it mean that, you know, evolution is an explorer? You know, again, I really struggle with this, so, so I apologize in advance. But in his book, On the Origin of Species, Darwin has this little image that just blew my mind. And it looks like a tree. And the trunk is the first organism. And then the organism replicates as, you know, tons of children. And that's the first generation. And natural selection comes by and picks a couple of them to survive. And then it happens again. You have another generation, many offspring, many trials, many mutations. And again, natural selection comes and picks a couple of them. And, you know, this is like every generation is like a branch and then another branch off that branch and then another branch off that branch. Almost as if it's exploring this vast, infinite dimension space of what that genome can achieve. And every generation it finds a genome or an organism that is better suited to the environment. It's almost, it's almost like a dialogue between the genome and the universe. The genome is like, well, here's a bunch of mutations. Do any of these look better to you than I am? And the universe says, yeah, these two. And the rest fall away. And then those two mutations have their own offspring. And some of those offspring are better. And those are the ones that survive and procreate. So the universe is giving us the answer. You know, we ask the question, which of these works? And the universe tells us. And I think this asks a really powerful question, which is how should we explore this space? What should those branches look like? And here, you know, I was reading a long time ago Richard Dawkins' book, This Selfish Gene, and it said something in there that I thought was very counterintuitive. It said, organisms that replicate want to replicate themselves with very high fidelity, with very low error rate. They want to have very few mutations. And that didn't make sense to me. I figured, look, mutations are how we evolve. Mutations give the universe choice from which to select. Wouldn't you want greater mutations so you know, the result is even better? And the answer is no, because the organism or the jet engine is already very complex, and the mutations are random. 
And so there are far, far more ways for that mutation to make the organism worse than to make it better. And again, I think of a jet engine. Take a jet engine and make one random change to it. Is that making the jet engine better? Probably not. And we, of course, are much, much more complex than a jet engine. So you need these mutations to take very small steps. You know, they have to explore just a little bit further into this infinite space of the perfect jet engine or the perfect organism. If you take, if you, again, it's, there's a balance. If you never have a mutation, you will never have evolution. You will never have progress. That's excess order. But if there are too many mutations in a single generation, the odds that those mutations at random create a better structure are infinitesimally low. So the huge leap into the darkness falls. It fails. That's excess chaos. Again, the right answer is in the middle. It's this small, small step. That's the key to evolution. That's what enables all progress. And even, even small steps can take us a long, long way because progress is cumulative. It's based on trial and error. It's random. And it, it's enabled by these small steps. And, you know, this approach is actually programmed into us. Dopamine is a chemical, is a neurotransmitter chemical that rewards us. But it rewards relative progress, not objective accomplishment. And so, you know, just to step back, again, very complicated subject. I'm just trying to understand it. But at least for myself, I see three takeaways from this. The first is, if you have a choice between an incremental approach and a discontinuous approach, the incremental approach is probably the way to go. And, and Pinker, Steven Pinker, shows this in a lot of his writings, just the enormous progress that comes from just this incrementalist approach. Second takeaway, when you're trying to improve, you're probably going to fail most of the time. You should expect to fail most of the time. And you should embrace that failure. That, that's so necessary. But as long as you stay humble and curious, you'll try enough things so that you'll find one that makes you a little bit better, that enables progress. And finally, just going back to this idea of the dopamine, don't focus on the absolute level. That's essentially irrelevant. Look at the trend. Is progress happening? Because if it is, you just let the power of cumulative evolution work and the sky's, the sky's the limit, I guess. Anyways, that's enough for, for today. <laughs> I got to go, but I'll catch you later.